Sports Talk continues. I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams and Vince Ferrara. As Vince's appearance brought to you by Waters Equipment. And we head to the Stanley Fencing and Gates Hotline, Vince, for a very special guest. That's right. Friend of the show, friend of the station, and tremendous broadcaster and writer. Uh, his work on ESPN, ESPN Radio, you hear him on the weekends during college football and uh, ESPN.com, and as knowledgeable as it gets on the college football playoffs and uh, can talk about anything going on with college football. Jay Brad Edwards on Twitter. Brad Edwards from ESPN joins us on Sports Talk. Brad, you got Vince, John, and Jimmy, the whole trio today. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well on a big news day in the SEC. Unfortunately, a big news day. Yeah, just let's get your reaction and start right there. Uh, as many games as we've seen in a short period of time impacted by COVID uh, in the SEC, how big of, a, of an issue do you view this in, in, the, in the big picture for the SEC and for college football? Well, it's obviously a big deal, and I'm trying to think of another conference at any point earlier this season that had one week that was, uh, you know, that I was going to use the word decimated, but but that technically means 10%. It's far more than decimated at this point, the SEC schedule. And uh, supposedly the, the Missouri game uh, with Georgia is still in doubt as well. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But, I, I mean, I guess on the SEC front, the good news would be, if you're if you're looking for a silver lining, is, is that it appears that the uh, that the divisions have already been decided, um, and you know, with with Alabama and Florida being very clear front runners at this point, um, if they're, you know, if if we do end up having games canceled, and you know, they can't be made up, and then teams end up playing an uneven number of games, at least it's unlikely it's going to present a scenario uh, where the legitimacy of the division champs, uh, it, you know, is in question. And, and, you know, you don't know if you have the right teams playing in the conference title game. But I, I think the biggest problem that the SEC could be facing right now is, you know, with with both uh, Florida and Alabama needing to make up a game against LSU and only that one Saturday to do it, uh, unless they can get really creative here, they could end up in a situation where one of the SEC championship game participants is playing a game the week before and the other one is not. And I, I know that that's not ideal. Nobody wants to see that happen. So uh, I think that's the big question now. How are they going to get around something like that where, you know, where, where one team uh, basically you know, gets an off week to prepare and the other one doesn't because it's not supposed to work out that way? Well, as you know, Brad, the it's it's never on equal footing when the committee, the playoff committee, has to evaluate teams and conferences. And this year, there'll be, as you know, there could very well be an even bigger differentiation in in how they're going to evaluate teams. Do you think the SEC is certainly committed to try to get all their games in, but the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that jumped in late? They're starting with a smaller number, and they don't have any wiggle room. Does the fact that there still could be some of those earlier conferences that committed to play, that they might not still be able to get to their finish line, does that keep those later joining conferences more in play potentially if those contenders stay intact? Yeah, I think the the big question – right now when we when we look at the Big Ten and the Pac-12 is, you know, the, the teams that ultimately would come out of there as the conference champion, or, or actually it, in, in the case of the, big, of the Big Ten, it may be more important 
you know, do they have a second team? And is you know, how many games did that team play? Because right now, you know, Wisconsin's already lost two games. I mean, lost from the schedule, two games. And so if they do win out uh, to the Big Ten championship game, and, and let's say they lose to Ohio State, I, I think in, in a lot of normal years, um, having only that one loss, considering who it's to, and it would be on a neutral field, then – okay, that sounds like a pretty good resume that might be able to get you in the playoff. But considering the few number of games they would have played, um, and, and I would assume few quality wins as part of that, um, it would be a lot tougher to make the case. And I think the same thing is generally true for the Pac-12 uh, when you're talking about the champion. And, I mean, ultimately, it's about the, the committee picking the four best teams. And we could argue whether they actually do pick the four best or the four most deserving but I think that the, the scenarios that have been presented by COVID, not just with the uneven number of games across these conferences, but I think more than that, the fact that there, there are no crossover games between the Power Five. There are no non-conference games where you can kind of connect dots and say, okay, based on you know, these three or four games, we can reasonably conclude that the, the Big Ten is better than the Pac-12 or something like that. Uh, you can't really do it this year. I mean, any attempt to do that is is completely based on on preconceived notions um, from previous seasons, and so they don't want to go there. So my belief is is that because of all that, the committee is going to be having to use the eye test more than the resume uh, compared to previous years, and and so it really is how good do you look on the field in however many games you're able to play. And are you able to do enough in those games to convince the selection committee that you're one of the four best teams? And that's, that's ultimately um, what we're looking at. Brad, uh, I did want to ask you this. Uh, as far as the college football playoff, do you think that teams need to play a minimum number of games? You could have a team playing eight or nine, maybe even ten games, somebody else playing four or five. How do you see that? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I think in an ideal situation – you would be able to say that, but given what we're looking at this year and, and given that, you know, that, that fans want to see the four best teams in there, you know, I, I would hate, for example, let's just, let's just say that instead of Wisconsin, it had been Ohio state that had, that had, had two games removed from the schedule. Um, I would hate to see Ohio state get left out of the playoff uh, because they just didn't have enough games in the eyes of the committee and be replaced with a team that we knew wasn't as good as them. And, and the ultimate result was likely to be a very lopsided game um, for everyone to watch in a semifinal. You know, we, we've seen enough of those over the years, and, and I don't want to see any more of them. So I, I think in cases where it's pretty clear who the best teams are, I just want to see those teams in, no, no matter how many games they've been able to play. Um, if it comes down to the fourth spot and it's, it's a really difficult choice and you're, you know, looking at, at all sorts of variables and, and trying to uh, find something to separate them. At that stage, I wouldn't have a problem with, okay, this team played three more games than that one. So, you know, sorry, but this is the way that, that we have to, to break the tie. I, I'm good with that, but um, I, just, I just want the best teams playing so hopefully we can get some games that are worth watching. Brad, uh, Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence, but uh, and it wasn't in the college football playoff. Notre Dame, though, gets a huge win, ends the Tigers' regular season winning streak. What do you think it means to Notre Dame to have accomplished something like that against one of college football's elite? Uh, I think you saw the answer to that when the game ended and the, uh, the fans and the students stormed the field. 
you know, you don't normally expect to see that from a program like Notre Dame. Um, but I had done some work last week on their struggles, not just against number one teams. And I, you've probably heard all week. They hadn't beaten a number one team since Florida State in 1993. Um, they, they had actually lost 19 of their last 20 games against top five teams. And when you have a program with that type of, of history and tradition uh, that has been struggling on that level against the best teams in the sport, they're, they're obviously hungry. And it didn't matter to them that, Clemson was missing its starting quarterback and a few guys on defense to start the game. And then they lost a few more guys on defense during the game. And so that was a pretty depleted Clemson team by the time it was all said and done, but it didn't matter to the, uh, to the Notre Dame people. And it shouldn't, that was a huge win for them and one that they really needed. Uh, I don't know how much it's going to matter to the selection committee. I mean, it's easy to say that the committee is going to consider who was out because they will, but ultimately, I don't think it really makes a difference whether Clemson lost that game at half strength or full strength or whatever you want to call it. Um, the bottom line is that Clemson can't lose again. And, and if they don't, they're going to be in the playoff. If they do, then they're probably out. And uh, I, I think that that was always the reality of it, no matter whether Trevor Lawrence played or not. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I think if nothing else, um, what it's done for the rest of the sport is it's created a, a very realistic scenario where the ACC – if Clemson beats Notre Dame, an undefeated Notre Dame in the ACC championship game, uh, the ACC is going to have two strong candidates to get into the playoff. I'm not saying for sure that they would both get in, uh, but that's something that we definitely didn't see coming before the season. And uh, it was quite a blow, actually, to you know BYU and Cincinnati um, because that was what they didn't need. They didn't need any of the power conferences to have two strong candidates. And at this point, they, they've either got to hope that Notre Dame wins the uh, the rematch and knocks Clemson out of it, or that Notre Dame stumbles between now and the conference title game. Maybe they, they have to go to North Carolina, which is a losable game. So um, it was shaping up like it could be a year where a uh, excuse me a non-power five team might have as good of a chance as they've ever had of getting in the playoff. Um, but that result last Saturday night in South Bend was something that they didn't need. Brad, the first rankings come out, I guess, in a couple of weeks. What's your best guess as to what maybe the top six might look like in terms of rankings? Ooh, I hadn't even thought that deep. I was uh, – <laughs> we'll kind of talk through it. I mean, I, I – you know, I, I, there's been so many times in the past where we just kind of look at a group of undefeated teams up top and you're like, okay, just based on schedule strength alone, the SEC team – has to be the number one and I, I think given this year and how many more games the SEC has played in conference than than the others that that would make sense um, I, I would think that unless Alabama has a close game between now and then that uh, Alabama would be the one um, where where it gets interesting is does the committee place more importance on uh, how good you look or who you've beaten because with with Penn State having lost again last weekend. I mean, Ohio State's not really going to have a win uh, that that you can be overly impressed by, although I think they do get to play Indiana uh, before the, the rankings come out, so that would be a, a good win. Um, you know, or is it going to be Notre Dame, who by beating Clemson would have the, the best win in all of college football? Um, so uh, interesting to see which way they go there, but regardless of the order of the top six in the first rankings, I, I think that the big thing for this year is going to be the seeding. 
you know, because we remember last year how it looked like there were three teams going into the playoff that were a level above everyone else, and then someone was going to catch the break by being the one seed and getting to play Oklahoma, and obviously LSU got that break. This one's going to be a little bit more complicated because you would assume that Clemson at full strength would be the third best team. Will Clemson beat Notre Dame and then take that three seed? If they do, then I think we're kind of right back to where we thought we would be if Clemson had gone undefeated, which is that Clemson and someone else will will play each other in a semifinal, and then the one seed is going to get a a weaker team. And so right now I think um, that's kind of what Alabama and Ohio State are playing for the rest of the way is not just to win out, but to dominate as much as they can so that they get the one seed and they don't have to play Clemson in a semi. Is there a scenario that maybe you've thought out that could be make things really, really complicated? I know those don't always work out, but it's kind of fun to think about, you know, the the all of the you know, the <laughs> the mass hysteria that could happen. Is there one that you've you've thought out that can oh, really there, make things dangerous? There's always one, Vince. Like with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with with this much time left in the season, there's always one. Uh, right. What I would what I would point to would be this, um, and, and you can add layers onto the end of it if you want, such as you know Cincinnati and BYU both go undefeated. The Pac-12 has an undefeated champ, but but to me, the starting point is that you have Clemson beat Notre Dame in the rematch in the ACC championship game, and so they both finish with one loss. Then you have Florida. sorry, Florida, with one loss, beat an undefeated Alabama in the SEC championship game. They both have one loss. Then you have an undefeated Wisconsin beat an undefeated Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. So for undefeated teams, you've just got Wisconsin at the end, if if all my math is correct. And and then theoretically, you could add a one-loss Texas A&M to that. That, they They could still run the table without messing up any of the other stuff. And so... I mean, I, what do you do with all those one-loss teams as far as deciding who gets the final spot? I'm and and, and you've got an undefeated, you know, Pac-12 team uh, that would be in that mix as well. I mean, in, in addition to Wisconsin, but um, that good luck with that one. That, that I mean, that, that if you're looking for a nightmare for the committee to have to deal with, I think that would be it. Brett, is there any chance conference championship games could be moved back one week, or do you think that's out of the out of the question? I think it depends on whether the the playoff folks are willing to move the playoff dates, because if they're going to stand firm at New Year's Day for the semifinals, and, and I, I think what complicates it is that the Rose Bowl is one of them. I think the Sugar Bowl would more likely be flexible to move, but uh, the Rose Bowl, you know, I mean, look, I, it, it it's a weird year, and they they might – they might actually be willing to do it, they they being the Rose Bowl, considering that it, it certainly looks like there wouldn't be any fans allowed in attendance anyway, given given everything going on in California right now. Um, and and if there's not going to, you know, if it's going to be in, in front of an empty stadium, then why wouldn't they? I mean, there's no Rose Bowl parade. That's already been called off. But I think right. that's the key. If, if, if they're willing to, to move the semifinal date uh, uh, back from January 1, then I think the conferences, you know, would would have an opportunity to to move that. But you know, I mean, if you push it back one Saturday, I think you're talking about December 26th, the day after Christmas. I mean, right. I, I realize I realize the teams that are contending for the playoff are probably not going to be home for Christmas anyway. Um, 
but man, that that's I don't know. I mean, the whole thing obviously feels weird. That you know, if you've lived through enough college football seasons, you know you can you you can come up with a hundred reasons that this one is is strange. But uh, that would be uh, that would be another layer to it for sure. Well, Brad, really appreciate it. Awesome to talk to you. Tell people where they can listen to you. I know you're on ESPN Radio on the weekends. Just tell people where yeah. they can find you here upcoming. Yeah, so uh, normally I would be on the on the radio for most of the day on Saturday, on College Game Day on ESPN Radio, but uh, that mm-hmm. show is uh, not on the air this season. And so I'm just, along with uh, Trevor Maddich, uh, popping uh, on and off uh, the, the studio shows for ESPN Radio throughout the day on Saturday. So um, if, if you're listening to ESPN Radio and there's not a game going on, then uh, chances are at some point within the next hour or so I'll be on there talking about whatever's happening in college football and this Saturday there there won't be a lot of SEC to talk about. All right. Great stuff. Great to talk to you. Add J. Brad Edwards on Twitter. Give him a follow. Brad, thanks so much. We'll talk to you hopefully again real soon. Okay. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, Brad. Be safe. That is uh, Brad Edwards from ESPN. Always quality visit with us.